to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am joined by Amanda Loudon. Hello, Amanda. Hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. And I was just, we were just laughing with Alex. So now, you know, got to rein it in. <laughs> rein it in. <laughs> Poor Alex. <Yeah. laughs> um, so, all right. So the, the holidays are over and you are back at work. What, what articles are you writing these days? Um, so I just finished up one for Headspace. Do you know, are you familiar with them? They're um, they're a meditation site. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I have. Yeah. I think they advertise on some podcasts. <laughs> I think that's yeah, how I've heard of them. Might, actually, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just did something for their blog, and it was, um, and I tapped into Justin Ross actually, Excellent. Um, and wrote all about you know what you know, which was um, you know an athlete's brain when they are injured. You know what you oh. go through and how to kind of pull yourself out of, of the funk and, and all of that. So um, that was a lot of fun to, to do my first piece for them. I think we need to do that as a podcast topic with Justin. I agree. It's a, yeah. great, it's a great topic. Yes. And he has, he has really good um, insights, um, some different things that I'd never heard of before on that level. So, oh. yeah. So Justin, Dr. Ross was on the podcast last week, and I just could listen to his advice all day long. I yeah, just, he's fantastic. Oh, he just really. fantastic. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so I'm all excited. I'm going to do one of the Perform Like a Mother uh, online sessions. I'm very excited. At least one. So oh, cool. Very nice. excited. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, well, uh, so as people may know, we record this on Wednesday. So as we're talking, it's January 10th. So it is the 16-year anniversary of me becoming a mother runner because today is yeah. Phoebe, today's Phoebe's 16th birthday. Um, so, uh, Big birthday. I, yes. Oh, and it turns out that, uh, some of her high school friends have listened to the podcast. So, Hey, friends of Phoebe, oh. if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, this is, yeah, a, this do, is um, a guy friend of hers too. Anyway, do we do, do, you do 16s, um, on the West coast? That's a kind of a big thing on the East coast. So are you asking me that in all seriousness? Like I am. I, I'm totally serious. Do you do that on the West Coast? No, I guess not. No, that'd be that'd be <laughs> negatory. Um, okay. I mean, Sweet Sixteen sounds like you live, you know, you're like Sweet Valley High or something. I mean, I, which, I <laughs> which of course Sweet Valley High takes on a whole new meaning here on the West Coast. So, um, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, what are you talking about? So, did you do one for? I don't want to be sexist, but did you do one oh, for your daughter? No. Or for, uh-huh. Oh no, I, I mean, Adam. He when he turned sixteen. Um, I, my daughter's only 13. So okay. when Adam turned 16, I mean, he's so not, he hasn't had a birthday party since he was like four. He's so not into that. <laughs> so no, um, he went fishing for his birthday, oh, but, um, God. yeah, but no, I know, I know some of the girls do them, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, I was just, I mean um, you know, um, Mexicans do quinceañeras, which is for, right, for 15, right, yeah. but, yes, um, and Adam went to one of those with one of his friends when she turned 15. Oh, yeah. oh nice. Oh yeah. Uh, no. So, I mean, I've asked Phoebe a couple times, like, so do you want to have a party? Do you want to do something? And, um, I mean, we're going out for Chinese food and I'm baking the cake that I always bake for my family members. So, and yeah, and, well. and if I get fancy, I'm going to wrap the presents I have for her because they are right. actually here <laughs> in the room that we are in right now. And I'm like, oh yeah, Alex, just ignore that pile of stuff right there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, 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 no. And also, you know, okay. 16 is typically, you know, the big driver's license milestone and she's not even yeah. getting that um okay so well so what are the oregon laws about about that like when do you start 
with your permit and when can you get your license and all that. Right. So as far as I understand, I've done like no research. It's just hearsay that um, at 15, you can get a driver permit. And so last year, maybe for the three or four months after her birthday, she was, you know, asking about that. And I just didn't want to deal with it. And part because I hear that car insurance is so astronomical for teenagers and yeah. so I'm like, yeah, no, we don't have the money to pay for that. <laughs> like, we're not doing that. And, yeah. um, and you know, I mean, we live in the city. She She's very adept at riding the public transportation. She enjoys riding buses. Um, and so I just didn't see any real need for it. Um, and, you know, it's, awesome. you know, one fewer driver on the on the roads. And uh, so, yeah, she totally, she totally let the topic drop. And so I don't know. I don't envision her getting her license anytime soon. So wow, that's nice. I mean, it saved you some some gray hairs. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So Adam, he uh, our rules are you have to be 15 and nine months before you get your permit. Mm -hmm. And then you're 16 and a half before you take your test. And then even after you've passed, you still have a five month period on your provisional. So so he got so he is on the cusp of getting off of his provisional, which means that he at one in in about two weeks he'll be able to drive anyone he wants in the car. Mm. Um, but from the time he got his license until now, he was only allowed to drive a sibling. Right. Um, right. Which is useful to a degree, but um, you know I'm in so many carpools for my daughter that. Um, you know, he's pointless because he can't drive the other kids. So, <laughs> what good are you? Um, <laughs> right. A little frustrating. Um, but it has been lovely not having to go out and pick him up. Like when my husband travels, which is a lot, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have to be out at 930 at night picking my son up from a practice. He can drive himself home from that. So right. that's nice. Right. Yeah. Right. No, it was funny. Um, so for John's ballet class, it's about hmm, a little over, it's probably two and a quarter miles from here. And um, uh, so I had a conflict and it looked like maybe Jack was going to have a conflict. And I was like, yeah, yeah, how, to, how to get John to ballet practice? And Phoebe pipes up. She goes, I can take him on the bus. And I was like, okay, it, it hasn't come to that yet, but that's good to know. And I really appreciate the offer. Yeah, <laughs> so, I like that. That's great. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, wow. So that's good. They have so many rules. I know um, in Washington state, I know they have rules about um, that. You have to have an adult in the car for, I don't know, a certain amount of time or something. And so I remember okay. when, I, when I was pregnant with Phoebe, we were visiting actually that friend of mine, that um, guy who for his 60th birthday ran his first marathon and that I, Will, that's his name, and, and that I did a 20 mile training run with him. So he's a recurring character on the podcast. And so I remember when, when Will's kids were younger, I was pregnant with Phoebe and we were visiting the Shaw family and one of their girls had a new license since so they needed an adult to go in the car with her I forget to drive her sister somewhere. And so I'm like, well, I'll do it. And I'm like, but I was pregnant. And I thought, well, I'm going to sit in the back seat. And I'm like, I was like, am I putting my baby in danger by being in this car? But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, so, I mean, it's not a very moment, you know, there's nothing, uh, you know, the heavens aren't going to open up or anything today for, for Phoebe for turning 16. So, yeah. But it's still, I think as a mother though, 16 kind of like that really, 
sunk into me that birthday because it's just that's like that's getting to be the real deal you know it does feel, couple years uh, it does feel more of a real deal than than 14 and 15 did and and yeah. you're not the first yeah. mom who's been like oh that's a big one that's a big one yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah. Yes. So, um, so how about that crazy, crazy weather for the Walt Disney World Marathon this past weekend? I, <laughs> the East Coast has been having a good, good, good time of it lately. Yes. Oh my gosh, but but so I mean, I just, I mean, I just think about how much people poured into their training and how much they must have thought about, like, oh, how humid will it be? How hot will it be? Right. You know, all this stuff. Right. And it's like, oh no, they should have been thinking, which tights should I pack? And uh, yeah. you know, do it's I need crazy. to wear a, a beanie or not? I mean, exactly. Yeah. I wonder yeah. if in the history of the race, if that's, you know, the coldest one that they've had. Oh, be that curious would, to know. The, I'd be curious to know that too. That would be very interesting. Um, I know that one of our BAM ambassadors, Jody, she's from Canada, and she so she knows from cold weather. And when I heard, I mean, you know, of course, the news reports were all um, making it sound like it was you know snowpocalypse down there. So I was like, oh, Jody, I'm so yeah. sorry because she was doing dopey, and she's like, ah. Oh, it's lovely. I'm so excited. It's, you know, it's <laughs> cold instead of hot. It's going to be great. I was like, oh, that's yeah, totally in her wheelhouse. Yeah. So that's yeah. awesome for her. Yeah. 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 So, um, so we, I have to, I do bring up the topic because we are seriously considering uh, having AMR be at the Walt Disney World Marathon, have a booth there next year. So Fun. I, yes. So I'm just going to put that idea out there and I would love if, um, I just kind of want to get a pulse of what people think about that idea. So like tweet to me at SBS on the run, like, let me know if that sounds appealing to you or, you know, so I don't know, uh, you know, hashtag AMR at WDW or something to let us know if, uh, if, you know, we should, we should go there. We just think it's, I know that when we went to princess, uh, Disney princess races and Tinkerbell, but particularly princess, we just met such an amazing cross-section of people from so many different areas you know that it's it's this place that everybody can you know converges on so we love that aspect so even though orlando is about as far away as you can get within the continental u.s i guess other than miami maybe from here um it is it's just a super long long trip and it's not non-stop yeah yeah. so anyway but we are um i would i would give it probably 85 percent odds that we'll be there so i'd love if people would tweet or write on our Facebook page. Um, let us know if they think that's a good idea. So, yeah. Yeah. So my final thing, are you much of a, I don't get the sense that you're much of a TV watcher, Amanda. No, you know, I mean, I will watch my housewives every once in a while. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, you, you don't watch much, but when you do, you really go, yeah, right. <laughs> You got to scrape the bottom of the barrel when you do get into the barrel. I definitely do. Yes. Um, But um, beyond that, you know, I watch a couple. I love Stranger Things. Um, No, I love The Crown. Um, You know, but yeah, yeah, I'm not a big, big TV watcher. Okay. Yeah. No. Well, um, I I love nothing better than snuggling with Augie and watching some Netflix uh, in the evening. (laughs) And my kids, if I can, you know, uh, get them to cuddle with me. John particularly is good at it. But um I just have to say that I have to rave about this Netflix show that I just discovered. And I binge watched the entire first season on Sunday, which is just unreal for me. Um, Wow. Yeah. And it's called Love Sick. And it's a British comedy, kind of comedy, kind of a drama. But I guess mainly it's uh, a comedy with these three... 
I think they're probably supposed to be late 20s. These two guys and this one woman and their friends. And there's the one guy is just so adorable. I tweeted just, I can't decide whether I want to adopt him or travel back in time and have a fling with him. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and that guy's name is um, Johnny Flynn in real life. And it turns out he's a musician. So uh, lately what I listen to while I work is Johnny Flynn music on Spotify. So... <laughs> Okay, Mrs. Robinson. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and I know that in real life he's married and has a kid. And, you know, hey, I'm married and have three kids. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's all, it's all you know, harmless daydreaming. I know. I know. I know. Uh, but it's just, I mean, I am just a sucker for British TV. And Me too. Me too. Uh, they're just adorable. And the chemistry between the three actors is really great. And uh, so anyway, it was new to me. And, and um, so all th- I'm pretty sure all three seasons, yeah, are on Netflix. So start at the beginning, okay. people. It is particularly season one is so good. Um, like it's I need to watch it then. Yeah, that and uh, yeah. Uh, Catastrophe on Amazon Prime. If you haven't watched Catastrophe, I highly recommend Catastrophe. I'm thinking about oh, going. I haven't heard of that one either. That's one uh, an American guy and a British woman, and they have a kind of week long fling while he's in London on business, and she ends up getting pregnant, and she's um kind of close to, closest to 40 so she keeps the baby and rob he ends up moving to london and i won't give any more spoilers but that that's definitely a bodier comedy and um really goes into a lot of tmi topics but um it okay. is oh, i just right. i just i also just love all the actors in catastrophe i love all the actors in lovesick so those yeah. are those are your british comedy recommendations for today folks uh, excellent yes excellent. yes they do have better humor than we do they really do mm-hmm. um Oh. I just went to see John Oliver, speaking of, okay, I'm getting totally off topic here, but I went to see John Oliver live and it was so much fun. That's what, so. uh, uh, do, do you know Michelle San Antonio? She's a uh, longtime bammer and she's in Rhode Island and I forget where, maybe she went to Providence to see him or New Haven. I'm not sure which, but she said he was just fantastic. He really, really is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just love live stuff too. That is definitely... Like in the past year or two, I'm like, yes, I can go out in the evening and see something live. I can do this. (laughs) Yes, yes. Fun, fun to get back in those days. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I uh, bought tickets to Katy Perry and Carly Rae Jepsen, uh, mainly because how much I love Carly Rae Jepsen. And um, so at first I asked Phoebe, I'm like, hey, Phoebe, you want to sit? And she's like, nope. And I'm like, hey, John, you want to see them with me? And he's like, yeah, sure. And uh, so, yeah, so before I was listening to Johnny Flynn, I was really doing a, you know, like going and listening to the entire oeuvre of Carly Rae Jepsen. So, um, and now, yeah. now I'm like, oh, I got to get up to speed on some new Katy Perry stuff. Because, I mean, certainly I know all her old stuff, but I'm like, oh, I'm not as much in love with the new stuff and I'll try to get there. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Okay. Enough pop culture talk. Um, New year, new races on the horizons, possibly a 26.2 miler. Uh, On today's show, Amanda, you and I, as you know, are going to talk about the truth about marathon training. We know that so many mother runners are amping up their mileage or debating whether 2018 will be the year of the marathon. So we'll kick off that conversation right after this quick break. Please join us. So the topic for today's show was born out of a few comments on our Facebook page from Marathoners in Training. And, um, you know, I screenshotted them, Amanda, you you know this, I sent them to you because they really kind of gave me pause and made me worry a little bit um, or made me a little concerned. So I wanted to um, 
tap into you as Coach Amanda. Um, I want to tap into your wealth of professional knowledge as well as your personal experience. Um, so remind me, Coach Amanda, how many marathons have you completed? 15 in all. Oh. So mm. yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good retirement point. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny because I have done 14. And at first I was like, when in Boston, my second Boston marathon was number 13. And I'm like, oh, that's a really good number to stop at. <laughs> and then when I did 14, and I was mentioning that to Dimity and I was saying it might be my last. She's like, ah, you can't stop at 14. That's a totally bad number. And as much as I was like, oh, and I'm like, she's right. It's not a good number to stop at. <laughs> And she and I both, we're both like, yeah, 15 is a much better number to stop at. I got to go there. (laughs) One more. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh my goodness. Okay. Yes. So, um, so, all right. Are you able to think back on your first training cycle? Like, do you have any memories of your long runs or the rest of the training that like really stands out and you kind of maybe almost wish you could go back and talk to that younger Amanda and give her some advice? Well, you know, it's funny because I was a triathlete at the time mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I did my first marathon primarily because I had intentions of doing an Ironman. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to experience a marathon first. And so I was being coached at the time by, by a um, triathlon coach. And so he gave me my whole program. And, um, you know, true to the way you train for m- most triathlons, it's by time versus mileage. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So my first marathon, I did three, three hour runs. Those are my long runs, you know, for the, I mean, after, you know, building up to it, but, um, so I have no idea what distance I covered or anything else. Um, and I still went out and had a bang in first marathon. So, um, (laughs) you know, it was like, it was almost too easy the first one. And it's it's so interesting to me because I had so many struggles with the marathon after that, but my first one, couldn't have been more perfect. So it's interesting to me. Well, maybe one was yeah. the right stopping number then for you. Amanda. It might have been. I think it might have been. <laughs> that is so funny. Also, I think we're maybe showing our age or length that we've been running because for my first marathon, I don't know. I only did one truly long run and I don't know how much distance I covered again because I did just like you. I just went out and ran for three hours and um, yeah. I was in completely unfamiliar territory at the time I was uh, sort of short term, short term living with uh, Jack in Chicago, and so someone told me about this trail that's out in the like a paved kind of rail to trail con- um, conservation thing. Uh, and so I went out to there. I had no idea where I was, and parked and just kind of ran one way until I went to the end of it and turned around and went back and just kind of then like went back and forth, back and forth a little bit. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it was one of the first times I ever, I guess it was the first time I went to a um, convenience store and asked if I could refill my water bottle because I just was just so parched. It was, remember, I'm pretty sure it was Father's Day that I did that. Um, yeah, because I, I was doing the San Francisco Marathon, which is in July, or at least I'm pretty sure it still is, but one of the few summer marathons um, here in the States. Um So anyway, so, um, and also I was, that was when I was in the midst of a five plus year exercise streak that I had going, which I think I've talked about a little bit on the show before, which is that I had to, I had to, I didn't have to, I chose to exercise, um, uh, for at least 30 minutes a day, every day without a single day of rest. And at the time people were like, Oh, you're making a mistake. I'm like, 
I was so emotionally committed to my exercise streak that I was like, Peshaw, who needs rest? Um, and oh, that would be me who needed rest because my, gosh, I just, my legs turned into absolute cement blocks in the final miles yeah. of that race. Yeah. I bet. I bet. Yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah. So, so let's talk about the importance of giving your body a break during the massive undertaking that is marathon training. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that's very underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it just, you are breaking your body down, mm-hmm. um, during these long months of marathon training and, um, coaches write in rest days, they write in easy cross training days, they write in easy days all for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, because, because you need those breaks. You just, you've got to appreciate that you're not going to get what you want out of your training. You're not going to get what you want out of your race day. If you aren't paying attention to the rest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So let's start with a few kind of running one one type questions. So what sort of base should someone have before embarking on marathon training? I mean, I personally like to see someone with a long run, um, a comfortable long run um, of at least eight to 10 miles when you're going into this. Um, you know, I, I want, I want you to already have, you know, at, <laughs> preferably at, I'm a fan of having, you know, a, a year or two under your belt of running mm-hmm, period, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uninterrupted. Um, I think that just, it, it will set you up um, physiologically for a much more successful race and increase your odds of not getting hurt. I think so. that's, I think one word that you said in there is so important and it perhaps gets overlooked pretty easily, which is uninterrupted because yeah. I think you know, someone can think like, oh, well, I've been running for two years. Well, you know, you were off for three months with shin splints or, you, yes. you know, you've been a runner for five years, but your baby is only, you know, you know, 10 months old. Maybe now is not the right time to start training for your first marathon. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You're, 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 I mean, depending on how long you've been running, you're not necessarily always starting over at square zero if you've had a break, mm-hmm. um, you know, and the longer you've been at it. So five, six, seven years, the, the more you can have an interruption in there, if it's an injury or whatever else and bounce back a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. But if you're a relatively new runner, um, you know, only a year out there or something and you get injured and you're off for three months and then you, you, you just have to understand that is almost starting like mm-hmm. at, out at square zero again, you know, mm-hmm. square one. Right, right, right. So what's the optimum number of weeks or months to train for a marathon? And does it depend on the runner's goal? I mean, I think it it depends on both the goal and again, experience. Mm -hmm. So someone who's been at it and running for five, six, seven years and, and has lots of races under their belt over the years, they can jump into marathon training pretty easily there because they're probably already running along long distance run every week of, you know, 10 miles, 12 miles, whatever it might be. And so it's not a big leap. And so you can, you could put, you know, 12 weeks in and and be ready for a marathon. Mm -hmm. Um, someone who, um, you know, is, is newer to running again. Um, and you know, to consistently have that longer run in your mix, then, um, you know, I think 15 weeks, 18 weeks, you know, whatever it takes to to get you there and and properly prepared. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, going digging down into the goal. Um, if you're looking at, you know, really um, hammering home a nice time, you want to invest a little bit more more time in that. Um, and and again, 
physiologically get the body adapted to going faster, going at your marathon goal pace, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and what are your thoughts about stepping up to a marathon without going through kind of the chain of command, you know, a couple five K's, then several 10, you know, five K's, 10 K's, you know, maybe a few half marathons. I mean, you know, we do meet the occasional person who is said, Oh yeah, I'm doing a marathon. You know, I took up running nine months ago and I've never done a race. And it's just like, Oh, wow. That kind of might hurt a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I think already you can tell from some of my comments, I'm not a big fan of couch to marathon. You know, I just, <laughs> I, I, um, I, I think you, you, you know, just, I think a little bit of patience goes a long, long way toward the experience that you're going to have toward the result that you're going to have, toward the health that you're going to have mm-hmm. after training for a marathon. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's where I'm on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, because um, I also feel being a more seasoned runner, like I feel that um, the training, I don't feel ever gets really easy for a marathon, but I feel that each time I've started one as, as the number of uh, marathons completed kind of ticks up that uh, my body's more like, oh yeah, I get what you're doing here, Sarah. Like, I, yes, I know yes. how to do this. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Yeah. 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 So, so, okay. So as I say this a lot and Dim, I know says a lot, but you know, the, tr- just like a marathon is not just running back to back half marathons. The training for a marathon is, isn't just doubling what you've done for a half marathon. So we had a comment from a Bammer on Facebook about how she was having trouble making time for long runs that were um, longer than 12 or 13 miles and she had um, her first marathon coming up. So talk to us about the importance of long runs in marathon trainings and how those miles bring a lot of changes in a runner's body. Yeah. So they're, they're really the cornerstone of marathon training. I I mean, they, they just flat out are, Um, and they're, they're designed to, you know, help your body um, strengthen up in the areas um, that it needs to, you know, like, like your tendons and ligaments and, and, and things like that, um, your muscles, all those things and all, and, and, and adapt to those long runs so that, that, you know, you're, you're not going to have this shocking experience when you go out mm-hmm. and, and, and run that 26.2, um, you know, there's a lot going on in your muscles. Um, you know, you're building mitochondria, which is, which is what brings the oxygen, um, into your, into your blood, into your muscles. Um, so there's a lot, and, and that comes from those, those, adaptations that, that happen during the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, they, they really are just key. I don't think you can, I, I think you can, you can somewhat fake a half marathon if you really wanted to. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can successfully fake marathon training, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. skipping all those, those important steps. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so there's so many plans out there. Okay, so yes, we have the entire Train Like a Mother Club, of which you are the genius author of many of the plans, including the one I followed last fall. Um, so, but there's also, you know, those plans out there that there's a well-known one that has you only running three days a week. And I, this is my armchair hypothesis, but I think it's led folks to think that you can complete a marathon by running only a few days a week. And another one of the questions that kind of gave me concern on our Facebook page was asking, um, she was also training for her first marathon, and she wanted to know if she could run just two days a week and then cross-train, like cycling and strength training, I think it was, um, four days a week. And um, again, I just thought of the world of hurt that I anticipated her being in, starting around mile 16, 
you know, whether she was opening herself up for injury in the race itself, you know, so kind of what do you think is the best number of days per week to run when marathon training? Um, you know, again, it's very individualized, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I, I, I want to see people at least at four days a week. Um, and, and you can successfully get through marathon training on four days a week without a doubt. Um, if you're a little more advanced and along, along the road, um, and, or if you're going for a you know bigger goal because you've had a few marathons under your belt, then I like to see you move up to five. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, there's just a lot of efficiency to be gained by being out there, um, four days a week, as long as your body is up to handling that, mm-hmm. um, two days a week. I just, yeah, I remember seeing that one and kind of cringing. I just, I no, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just think you, know, you need to just, you know, reconsider what your goals are and, um, if you only have two days a week to give to it, I just don't think you can successfully run a marathon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know it's, it's, I, I realized that us having this conversation we talked about beforehand, you know, like we don't want to throw cold water in people's faces. Um, right. But, but, but you know, <laughs> but you also, another key word you said in there was a successful marathon and success yeah. can be defined many different ways when it comes to a marathon. And, you know, you really want, you know, yes, I think it'll be uncomfortable no matter who you are, no matter how many you've done before, but you do want to have enjoyment as it's happening. You want to be able to like, you know, be happy about seeing your family and feel proud and not just be, you know, wallowing in the pain that you're in. Um, yeah. And, and just, and, you know, I don't know, you just want to really hold your head high and, and know that you did the best effort that you could. And I, th- yeah. I think you're selling yourself yeah. short if you are like, well, you know, right now I can only do run two days a week and, you know, but that's okay. I'll just get through it. And it's like, ah, 26.2 miles is a long way to quote, just get through it. it. It really is. And I think, you know, I think a phrase that's been lost, but we used to say it all the time is respect the distance, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think that, um, I think that's kind of, you know, with, with all the marathon fever that there is out there, I think that's kind of gone by the wayside. And I think people mm-hmm. forget what an undertaking it is. And, and I just think there's, you know, value in appreciating it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, because, you know, okay, so between us, we've almost run 30 marathons. But yet when I think about like, just even walking 26.2 miles, I mean, it is a considerable distance. You know, <laughs> it is, it is. And we're not we're not made look and, and we're not we're not really made to be doing like, you know, it's, just, I don't think our bodies really, really appreciate us doing it. <laughs> I I think, I'm not saying I think we're doing, you know, a horrible harm to our bodies. It'll last for a lifetime or anything like that. But I don't think that it's necessarily what we were, you know, made to do, you know, but, um, so, you know, I, yeah, it is. A, we have to. It is also that I think, you know, because I felt so good when I was following the crush it, um, crush the distance plan that you wrote for train like a mother club. I mean, I just, yeah. I just felt dynamite and, and I thought, Oh, I'm just going to feel so good. And I was really able to truly crush the distance. I mean, uh, you know, I, I missed my time goal, but I really kept the hammer down and put it out there in that final 10 K 
Yet the moment I crossed the finish line, that's when I realized that I could barely walk, you know, and then (laughs) then I had the most hinky stride cobbling through that, you know, the finish area and getting to the shuttle that took me back to the hotel. And that's like, oh, gosh, oh, gosh, I have to walk down the stairs at the front of this bus to get into my hotel room. Like, and, and, and you said, and that no matter how, you know, that, that there is something about that distance, you know, if a, if a marathon was quote only 20 miles, I, I just think it would be a completely different game. And that, Agreed. yeah, Agreed. yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. So, so back to the thought of, you know, if people are wanting to, um, you know, maybe they, they truly can't commit to five days a week or something, but so if they are going to run fewer days a week, what runs should they um, cut out? You know, which one should they leave on the, the page? Right, right. So I think that um, the long run obviously is non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then usually you're going to have one day a week in there that is designed really specific to your goals. Um, so, um, or specific to finishing strong. So it might be a negative split run. Um, or it might be a goal pace run um, or something like that. And I think that should always stay in there. Um, after that, you know, I, I would look for the shortest run that's in there to cut it out. <laughs> uh-huh. um, or, you know, I mean, so so there's some midweek runs that, you know, if, if you must cut, cut those out. But, but aim for getting those, those, you know, middle distance, to long runs, keep those in there as much as you can. How, cr- yeah. how crucial is that um, fairly short run, typically on, I know on the Crush It um, plan, the day after the long run. So for me, it was the Sunday runs. Yeah, I really like those um, for recovery. I think they just do a lot of good. They're, they're short, they're easy. And I just think they help kind of move all the junk out of your legs mm-hmm. the day after your long run mm-hmm. and then take your rest day. Um, and really then, then I think that sets you up for a really good first day of the week, um, which is on my plans is Tuesday then. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're, they're not crucial, but I think they do make a difference. That's so funny that uh, I, I wish we'd talked last summer that you calling them recovery runs because I always saw them as the like, okay, my legs are totally tired and this is teaching me how to run on tired legs run. <laughs> we should chat. <laughs> <laughs> no, but as, you, know, um, you know, that would be more of a run on a Friday and then go do your long run on Saturday. Oh. That kind of a. Oh, uh, all right. You know. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. So in the early part of my training, I did opt to swim on those days rather than um, do it the short run after the long run. But um, I'd say probably by which, which I'm sure worked really well for you too. Though. Yeah, got yeah. got me got got the blood flowing. So, um, so all right. So the converse of someone who's looking to cut back uh, to running fewer days a week. Um, how about the runners who think they can power through marathon training by only running? Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to say it and I, I will touch on this maybe a little bit later too. And that is that I think strength training is one thing that you should keep in there. Um, however you can. Um, and I think that, you know, taking some breaks from running and, and, you know, I mean, running is obviously the best way to get better at running, but <laughs> most, most bodies are not going to be able to handle, you know, six days a week of running, um, and so I think it, it is good to, you know, take a day or two in that schedule where you're doing something else to give your body a break from 
the impact of running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've t- I went through a couple of years where I thought, Oh, I'm invincible and, and I can handle six days a week of running. No problem. And yeah. you know, that, yeah. <laughs> that came crashing yeah. down into plantar fasciitis. So, yeah. um, I mean, I know there are people out there who truly don't get injured. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I flirt with that category, but, um, even, even I've learned that, you know, like five days a week on your program, I was good with that. I was really, really good with it. But that is something that as a master's age runner, I cannot keep that up. <laughs> right. I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so now that I touched on that, that we are um, <laughs> both master's age runners. Um, uh, so thoughts on how marathon training changes as we age or how it should change that um, I think there's some runners who, you know, just think, oh, I, I used to do that when I was, you know, 35. I'm just going to keep doing that. It worked for me. So, or maybe they did what they did as runners before they had kids. And, you know, now their oldest is, uh, you know, getting their driver's license, you know, or, or not getting their driver's license. Um, so, you know, in high school, the kid's in high school now. So, you know, how, sh- how should marathon training morph as we age? Uh, well, one thing I would say right off the bat is that I think um, it's a time to maybe not, if you've been in a cycle of, say, two marathons a year, um, maybe it's time to reconsider that and make it just one a year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that is, your body needs those breaks. Yep. And I think, you know, one a year is a, a pretty reasonable goal for someone who's um, a master's runner. But two is, there's not a lot of time, not a lot of downtime. There is not. Yeah. I think, again, the, the role of strength training is that much more crucial, um, you know, and the prehab type work that, that we have in our plans. I think that stuff is so much more important. I mean, it's, it's important for anyone, but as you're getting older, that, that's the stuff that's going to take you out. It's going to be, you know, the, the small little supporting muscles um, that aren't, aren't there to support you anymore <laughs> if, if, you're not, if, you're not, if you're not doing the work. Um, so those are things... Um, you know, maybe consider dialing back on your time goals a smidge, you know, readjust, you know, maybe, you know, you've had 10 years of, of getting faster and faster and faster. And then sooner or later, that's going to kind of, you know, that's going to start changing. And, and you know, you, you can't keep pushing at that high end time goal range. And, and so maybe it's time to start, you know, just dialing that back a little bit and um, being a little gentler to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Those are such good advice and you're speaking directly to me. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad other people were able to hear it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, for a number of years, I was like, yeah, two years, spring and fall, spring and fall. And then now I'm like, huh, okay. I did a marathon in 2017. Do I really want to do one in 2018? I don't know. <laughs> Bailey, it's just, I, I love marathon training. I just love it. It's just that dang, it's, so great. it's that dang race that I'm not digging. Yeah, it's in the <laughs> um, so, um, so you and I touched on the, you know, in our, when we were recounting our first marathons, we touched on, you know, the, the long run, how many we did that sort of thing. I mean, what, what, you know, it's another element that varies so much from one plan to another is the length and number of long runs. So how long should the longest run be and how many of them, I know you had in the crush it, you had um, three, but I'm assuming in the finish it, do you also have three um, ones that are close to 20 miles or no? Uh, I think I have two in that mm-hmm. one. Um, yeah. 
Um, so, I mean, it's somewhat arbitrary, right? I mean, it, it, but um, the standard is, you know, to, to look at about three 20 milers. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get by with less. I would never want to do fewer than one. Um, but I, but I, I, you know, so I think, I think two, uh, definitely the minimum. Um, and, and if you are ex- extremely well-trained and, you know, a high performance runner and haven't been injured, you know, you can add on to that. I mean, there were, there was a time where I did up to five. Um, oh my gosh. And, yeah. In a cycle. But, you know, then, uh, you know, as I got older, I was just, and I, I just thought, you know, there's no need for that. And, and I just, you know, decided I will never again do more than three. And so then I stuck to that for the last couple of marathons I did, and it was just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, yeah, it, it, again, very, you know, it depends on the runner and, and, you know, know where you are, select the plan that, that, you know, applies best to you. So mm-hmm. um, again, you know, beginners don't pick up the crush it plan, you know? Right, 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 yeah. right, right. Um, and also, you know, there are plans out there. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of Jeff Galway's plans that have people going, you know, the entire distance before the race. And we do get a lot of questions about like, well, why, sh- why shouldn't I go that distance before the, you know, why shouldn't I run 26.2 miles in a train run? Could you kind of talk about why that type of endeavor really breaks things down? I mean, maybe you disagree with me, but I think it breaks things down so much that it's in oh, a yeah. training cycle. So it's, you don't, yeah. you don't have two weeks to recover afterwards. It's like Tuesday rolls yeah. around and you got to get back on it. So could you? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I really believe that a marathon for true full recovery, and this is, people need to understand recovery doesn't mean, oh, my legs feel good. Recovery means what's happening deep down inside of those muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that is a, it's a month. It's, it, it's a month. It and is a so, month. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and so I think that, you know, I understand why mentally it's going to make you feel better to know that you can go out there and finish that 26 miles. But, um, it's just, it's, it's just a mistake. You aren't going to recover and, um, get, get the most out of the rest of your training or even your taper or anything else. You will not come into the marathon rested to the degree that you should be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Um, we would be remiss if we did not talk about the dreaded I word, um, during marathon training, that being uh, injury. So as, yeah. as a coach, what percentage of runners do you see getting injured in a marathon training cycle? And what are the best ways to sidestep um, an overuse injury? Yeah, it's, it's hard to put a um, percentage number on that, but I would bet, I you know, I, I, I would bet maybe in the, the 15 to 20% range. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but it's, it's, you know, and it's typically going to be those people who um, aren't following the plan, who maybe mm-hmm. are forgoing their rest or trying to push the distance. Oh, it says six. Let me go eight. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, oh, it says this pace. Let me go this pace. You know, whatever it might be, those kinds of things are going to take you to injury. So you've got to respect the rest. You've got to respect the recovery runs. Um, you've got to respect the paces. And then again, um, I'm going to harp on it again, but along with all those things, you've got to do that back end work. You've got to do, you know, the prehab type work. Um, you've got to do some strength work. You've just got to give your body the support that it needs. Mm-hmm. Um, or, 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 you know, you are going to ask for an injury, but I, I, I would say number one, number one is those folks who just ignore the rest, you know, mm-hmm. they feel good. And so they're going to 
throw an extra run in there or they're going to throw extra miles in there or whatever it might be. You know, you, you, you purchased a plan for a reason, right? You know, it's, it's designed by, they're designed by professionals like yourself and they have, they are following proven, you know, uh, methods that have been scientifically proven to to have good results. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I, um, in 2009, when I trained for what ended up being my PR marathon, um, my coach said, she was like, Sarah, I'm never going to be impressed if you come back and tell me that you did that you ran faster than you were supposed to or further than you were supposed to. Like, yeah. you know, yes. <laughs> I, I, yes. I want you to go out and do what I told you to do. Not what, you know, you think is going to, you know, knock my socks off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I totally get it. It's, it's very easy to get caught up and go, Ooh, I'm, I'm beating, you know, I'm beating the, the pace by 10 seconds mm-hmm. per mile. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I get it. And I get how that makes you feel stronger and this, that, and the other, but, but um, you know, the majority of the time, it's just not going to, not going to be the gamble that pays off for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And also you have to, you have to parcel out your energy over the course of the training cycle. And that if you, um, you know, over exceed yourself on a workout that maybe you're only supposed to hold it back to, you know, tempo, not race pace or something like that, then when, when you're supposed to really put the hammer down, you're going to feel all lethargic or, you know, be, you know, your energy got up and left. So, um, you know, it's about following, doing what you're supposed to do on the day you're supposed to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I still, I still don't know whether 2018 is going to hold another marathon for me, but, um, I, I (laughs) I'm anxious to hear, um, any at all that you're looking at? If I did, it would probably be twin cities again. Um, I am, I am looking for it to be, you know, um, last year it was held, it's always held on the first Sunday of October and, um, in 2017, that was October 1st and this coming year, it's going to be October 7th. And I know those days are only six days apart, but everyone in the twin cities assures me that, um, color wise for the leaves, it makes a big difference. And October 1st, you remember we were there, we were roomies. Uh, and you know, the majority of the leaves there were green, and yeah, I just yeah. really love the kaleidoscope effect there of the yellows and oranges and reds. Yeah. So I'm looking for, yeah. looking for that. And also, um, you know, as much as I loved and felt at home running in some rain there last year, I'm, I'm sort of wanting that beautiful bluebird sky that they've had for so many years in a row. So, nice. so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'll see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you have until, you know, yeah. spring, early, you know, spring to start thinking, you know, before you have to make any decisions really. Right. Right. So. Well, and you know, and we, we made some race plans this week. Um, that, uh, right. I can, that's, right. that, that's an, a, that's a marathon with an asterisk, right? That, um, <laughs> that's right. that, uh, that's right. at the, I'm very excited about yeah, at the, and I, go ahead. I got as it's five light five people because i i don't think i've ever seen that i oh. always thought there were four people. oh yeah so um so yeah we are talking about the ogden marathon at our ogden utah retreat which is may 17 to 20 that there are just 10 spots left in people so hurry to visit ogden.com slash amr to sign up um but so we we decided that we would do um a team amr um uh, team relay for which is one of the options at ogden and yeah so there's five so you're going to kick us off because because you're fast and you, because I think there's also some good downhill in that first part. So having a, um, 
you know, a lightweight runner like you in that is, is better than having all 170 pounds of me trying to come down that mountain. <laughs> and, uh, um, so yeah, so there, and, and I love it because in that relay, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about doing leg three and, once I hand off the baton or the bracelet or whatever it is to, to runner four, I can still keep running and go to the finish. You know, I'm just not the, the, yeah, the runner yeah. at that moment. So, um, yeah, which is really yeah. And so I know that like three, you start at the half marathon starting point. So I'm, I'm toying with that idea. So, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, to so I say you just fun. start out leg one and just keep running for the finish line. Um, <laughs> Well, <laughs> six, six, 16, not such a good uh, number as 15. I don't know. I'll ask Phoebe. I'll ask Phoebe if 16 is as good a number as 15. So, <laughs> well, thank you for all, all your sage advice, Amanda. It's always, I always love when you put on your coach hat and talk to us. Alrighty. Yeah. Take care of yourself. You too. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Well, let's hear what Dimity and those folks in the Train Like a Mother Club are up to. Hello, hello, everybody. It's Dimity here with your first Train Like a Mother Club corner of 2018. Woo-woo! The streets are cleaned. The um, new pavement has been laid, and it's nice and smooth rolling into the new year. So I know you guys have been talking about the marathon on this podcast, and while this uh, post uh, is not exactly marathon-related, it is very much applicable to the marathon. Uh, it comes from a longtime bammer and friend named Cynthia Vissers, who's in the heart rate monthly plan where, where you can come in and out um, on the months and uh, get fresh new workouts. She writes, um, everyone wants a revolution, but no one wants to do the dishes. So that, that sentence is in all capitals. Everybody wants a revolution, but no one wants to do the dishes. Someone said that, I don't know, I don't remember who, and the screen switched this morning while I jotted it down in church. And then all I could think about was MK and her repeatedly telling us that all the little things matter. Sleep, rest days, strength, nutrition. We have to do the grunt work if we want to see change. I've got my sleep and rest down. I love my sleep and my rest. And I've recommitted to strength training. I've let my nutrition slide, though, and I need a swift kick in the pants. What about you all? Does this quote grab you like it did me? And then she says, and by the way, now I have MK in my head shouting, do your dishes. So I love that idea because everybody, not everybody, that's that's a generalization, but it's very easy to fall into the trap of my race pace miles matter, my um, my overall mileage matters, my pace, my average pace of this run matters. And certainly, yes, um, those numbers definitely play a part, but it is the little things, especially with our lifestyles. Um, where stress is stress on the body. It could be from a tempo run. It could be from doing strength training. It could be because you're up four times because your littlest one has an ear infection. Your body doesn't know the difference. And so making sure that that little stuff, the nutrition, the sleep, the rest, and the strength um, stay prioritized, you're going to have a great 2018 and a great marathon. Okay, we'll see you next week. Bye. Okay, you ready for this? Are you ready for this? The Mother Runner store is having its first ever, first ever clearance sale. It's going to start next Tuesday, January 16th, 2018, in case you happen to be listening to this, I don't know, five years in the future or something. Um, There are going to be more than 30 teas, tanks, 
sweatshirts, uh, maybe a hat or two that will be drastically marked down. I am talking that the majority of them are going to be slashed. The prices are going to be slashed down to five or eight dollars. Oh my goodness, I, I just went crazy. Five or eight dollars. So I know that stuff's going to go fast, and once it's gone, it is G O N E. It is gone. It is out of here. Um, so be sure to head to MotherRunnerStore.com on Tuesday, January 16, to get great bargains on sassy running tops and lifestyle tees. Again, that's MotherRunnerStore.com and click on the sale tab. Our podcast is a member of the Megaphone Network, and our show today is produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Music.